Hello and welcome to another episode of ESG Voices. This podcast series addresses the opportunities and challenges within environmental, social and governance, ESG, through interviews with ESG specialists from KPMG and beyond. Throughout this series, we will discuss a broad range of environmental, social and governance issues, aiming to support governments, businesses and communities in creating an equitable and prosperous future for all. For the next few episodes, we will focus on key themes coming out of COP27. And today, we are looking at one of the most critical focal points of the net zero transition, the decarbonisation of cities. While climate action can and has been top-down from many developed and developing nations, cities are increasingly where we are all choosing to live. According to the United Nations, two-thirds of the world's population will call cities home by 2050, which is also the deadline for many global nations to achieve net-zero status. On the one hand, urban centres can stimulate tremendous innovation and prosperity. However, they are also responsible for about three quarters of global carbon emissions. To talk about how technology and innovation can enable cities to accelerate a just transition toward a low-carbon economy, we are joined by a great panel of experts from KPMG and the United Smart Cities programme, who, among other things, will offer a preview of an exciting joint effort to digitise the carbon footprint of major cities. Let's start with Jorn Verbeck, who is leading KPMG's decarbonisation exchange within the Global Decarbonisation Hub. So, Jorn, when we talk about city decarbonisation, we're talking about three primary areas, buildings, mobility and the energy and industry infrastructure, which are each enormous challenges in their own right. Can you give us a brief overview of what makes up the carbon footprint in many cities and where some of the major challenges lie? Yeah, happy to. But uh, let me first take a step back because it's easy to say what are the sectors, what are the the impacts. I think cities are first and foremost the places where you and I live, where we work, where we raise kids, where we spend our weekends. And I think that's really important to, to understand a city is really a living organism. And then to better understand if we talk about sectors, about emissions, why are they linked to a city? And cities are really the places where everything comes together. Public sector, private sector, bottom up, top down. And that's good to understand because if we say key mission sectors, and as you mentioned, the built environment, mobility, energy and industry infrastructure, but also our consumption and production patterns, that they all come to play into cities. And cities for me, also another element we need to stress, if you look at cities from a global perspective, They only take up 3% of the Earth's surface, and at the same time, they're responsible for 80% of the energy consumption and 75% of carbon emissions. And there it's really good to see how can we use that interaction of all these different actors, of all these different sectors, to better understand how important cities are and how we then dive deeper into those different sectors. Looking at those sectors, indeed, built environment. We talk about heating and cooling buildings, about lighting them. We talk about in mobility, how we organize our transport or logistics. And of course, in industry and the energy infrastructure, how we produce, how we consume. And it all comes back to the question on if we want to go to net zero, where can we find those intervention points where we feel This is where we we can make a change, where we see innovation happen, where we see possibilities to invest to drive a better future. And I think 
there, if we talk about change, we see today a lot of pilots, a lot of demonstrations, but they're still small scale. I miss a bit for now the really the positivity to think what I see happening as pilots that they will drive us towards 2050. So the acceleration we need both in terms of speed, in terms of scale is enormous. It's really unprecedented. And therefore, when we want to start somewhere, it's by thinking on those three sectors. What can we change today? What needs to be changed tomorrow? And what is the partnership, the models that will get us there? And I think that will require a lot of partnerships that will require a lot of imagination, but also a lot of innovation where we need to connect people, connect ideas and also connect the capital to that. Thanks, Jorn. I'm also here with Stina Lies Hattestad, partner KPMG in Norway. Stina, let's dive into how cities can tackle lowering global carbon emissions. What factors need to come together and who is best positioned to collaborate to increase the speed and scale of transition in our big urban areas? And what resources are available or need development for the quickest and most sustainable results? This is a really, really big question, but let me do a try here. Because the really most important factors is that we actually look at the needs. What are the needs for the people living in the cities, for the mobility in the city, for the need of suppliers who deliver their products to the cities? And what is all that people need? Because if we looked at the need and not just adjust the way we serve the needs today we're just adjusting a little bit what we already do we might manage to change totally and i think that is one of the things that we really need to do so one of the factor is that we actually are open for innovation not only when it comes to solutions and i get back to solutions but also when it comes to structure and systemic thinking in a city because very often we are used to this linear way of thinking economy and actually just to thinking the way that we do everything. But we need to think more in a circular economy way, for instance. And there are also law and regulations today that kind of keep back how we are able to reach the goals that we're trying to reach in a city to make it even more sustainable. So I would say when we go back to solutions, it is both investable solutions and it's solutions that really are needed. And we do have a lot of solutions out there already, but are they investable enough? Are the capital actually finding the right solutions? And are we lowering the risk of the solutions that we have out there because we base it on facts? I think Kari, uh, who soon will tell us more about United Cities work and how we actually can say, what do we need to fix? How do we fix the need of the people living in a city with insights and looking forward and predict the future? And then it's one more thing that I think it's extremely important. It is partnership. Partnership across all sectors. If we do not manage to think in different ways when it comes to partnership, and collaboration, even though if we have to collaborate with our worst competitors, I don't think we will take the challenge that we are facing. Because the challenges that we are facing, they are much larger than what something that one actor can solve by themselves. But by collaboration, I believe, and I 
really certainly believe that collaboration can put those challenges into possibilities. And when we put it into possibilities, we do put on our other glasses <laughs> and we work in another way. And then you come back to everything that needs to be or the factors that we really need to get in place, like system structure thinking, the investable solutions, the partnership and actually look at the needs. Thanks, Dina. Karyuk is the co-founder of the United Smart Cities programme, created in partnership with several UN agencies and international organisations. United Cities is working with KPMG professionals on one of those developing resources, a really exciting and unique digitalisation programme that will help us understand in much more detail the carbon footprint of major cities. Carrie, tell us about the United Cities programme and the digital twin technology that enables us to audit current solutions and plan for the future. Thank you very much. I first want to just echo what Dina Lisa says. Of course, everything that she says, that's all what United City is about. And it's an organization set up in Austria and Norway, and we're focusing on supporting city transition towards 2030, reaching SDGs, but also the climate targets. We have quite an ambitious plan to reach 10,000 cities by 2030, and this is the, the number of cities today above 50,000 inhabitants. So that's why. And it's all about partnership, as Dina Lisa said. So that's why United. How do we bring these things together? We don't need to reinvent the wheel here. But what is essential is a systematic method that we're walking towards the same goals and using some of the same methods. And the first basis for also the digital twin is that we are collecting data. And we have data sitting out here every, you know, through the cities, being identifying the needs, as Dina says, but also data sitting in companies, identifying a lot of areas, but we are not really using it. So the basic for all the things that we're doing is to collect data, identify really those core needs of those cities and see also the commonalities. Because I get so often asked, uh, you know, you cannot compare Buenos Aires and Copenhagen or a little town in in Colombia. You can actually do that. There is a lot of uh, issues that is the same. We are struggling to solve the same issues no matter where you are in the world. And as, as Dinali said, also circular economy, these issues, it's the same challenges everywhere. So we are collecting those data. And when we were starting to see how can we use this data better, how can we start to really use it to de-risk projects, get more into bringing investment into the mix here, then we, we came over this digital twin. And of course, the digital twin and visualization has been around for years and years, right? Lots of companies are using it. But what we have been testing out for the past three years through partners here in Norway is real simulation, using data, but also doing it as every, all kinds of data that we can get a hand on. So statistical data, national data, local data, it's also live data, and bring that into a digital twin to really start to see what are really the needs here. How can you bring this and test those solutions into the mix here and de-risk these projects? So United City is all about data, about using technology, identifying those solutions, finding the capital, de-risking the capital. And the reason why we are not succeeding in all these three elements is that we need more competence. We need to raise the, not just awareness of the needs and where is also the, the possibility of bringing the solutions to the table, but how do you raise the, cap, the competence? How do you do leadership governance for development? to tie all these three uh, elements in together. That's what's been lacking and that's what we are aiming to try to bring together 
be an enabler, open door for anyone who has either a need, a solution, or can bring capital and competence programs into the mix here. Thanks, Carrie. That's great. Jorn, digital twins are part of a large effort KPMG is doing to probe the decarbonisation status of cities, as well as small island communities. What can you tell us about the collaboration with the World Wildlife Fund? Well, it's actually two questions at one. I think there's one on digital twins and there's one on the World Wildlife Fund, but uh, happy to make a connection there. I think when it comes to digital twins, I think that's important. And Stine Lisa and Kari have touched upon a number of things. But it's important that it's a tool really that helps to get everyone around the same table because it really has the power to visualize things. Because often all these challenges that touch upon sustainability, they're often quite abstract. Like if we talk to people, they come with their background. Uh, if you come from a public sector, from private sector, from finance sector, you're looking at the same things, but you use different words, you use different agenda, you are looking at a different horizon. And there it's really important that a digital twin really has this capacity to show what are we looking at? And if you take it to an urban perspective, what are the priorities we see? What is the, the link between challenges we see? And by making it visual, you go beyond just that, the language, the words that you use to describe a challenge and how you can also intervene. And by making it visual also to show like, what is the first thing that we need to invest in? What is the first challenge we need to tackle? And that is able maybe to, pull off other challenges that, that come with it, that are interlinked. And therefore, it's really important that when we talk about urban challenges, that we can have all people around the table, that we can have the right data, that we can have the right visualization to really make sure that for the next 5, 10, 15 years to come, in run up to 2030, 2050, that we can say, this is what we are seeing. This is where we need to invest. And to give a really concrete example, when we did a, a number of simulations in Digital Twin, when it comes, for example, mobility or congestion in a city, where we could show like, do we need to discuss the congestion when it comes to private transport? Do we need to consider like public transport options? Or do we also need to look at the wider environment? And for example, if you're a port city, are there more emissions coming from transport in the city or is it more linked to the maritime sector? These are just basic examples to better understand what is the, the order of things, where we need to prioritize first. And I think there it could help to also start playing with a number of scenarios to see if I start pulling this lever, what is the effect that we see within a city? What is the effect on emissions? Who needs to act? Is the regulation in place? So for me, it's really an opening to a discussion an opening to complexity to better understand what can we achieve if we invest in a certain system. Your second question on the World Wildlife Fund in a way is related. We talk a lot about emissions, we talk a lot about mitigations. What we see now popping up in conversations with the World Wildlife Fund is also what is the link, because as a, a city policymaker, but also as a, as a private sector, you want to invest in the right things to provide a positive impact. When we talk, for example, about renewable energy, when we talk about investments in wind turbines and solar, we also talk about land use. And I think there for me, it's just one example where for, uh, I think mitigation and adaptation come together to perhaps use the power of digital twins to say, like, if we're going to invest in, for example, renewable energy, what is the space we need? And what is the space to use for today? Or what are other, other alternatives where we could use the space for? Think about nature, think about biodiversity, 
think about adaptation policies, would there be a way that we can actually combine the two? Because you probably only have the budget to invest once. So the more value you can out out of your investment, I think there's really worthwhile to, in those digital twins, really invest what are the possible options that we can bring together that can deliver which value and where we can, for example, try to combine mitigation and adaptation strategies. I think there's a whole field to explore there and sometimes feels like when we say digital twins that people said like, yeah, I know this, I've been there, I've done that, but I think we're really at the beginning of the journey to not just use it as the technology and use it as a, as a goal in itself, but to really use it as a means to better understand what is the challenge ahead, where do we intervene, and how do we also tackle multiple challenges, whether they're linked to mitigation, to adaptation, or even to just the just transition. How do we pick it up by making things more visual, by drawing scenarios, and by dividing roles, responsibilities, and giving a clear mandate on how to act towards the future. So, I said two questions in one, beginning of the journey, but I think it's for me a clear invitation also to say, come around the table. And also, if you don't agree, come and challenge us. If we say this is for us a possible scenario, you can say, I don't agree, but at least we're looking at the same visual. And you can say, this is something that I would like to tweak. This is where I need more data. This is where I want to have the, the rendering refined so that we can at least by going into that process together, try and challenge one another and try and come up with the best possible solution. Thanks, Jorn. That's really useful. Final question for all of you. What advice can we give our listeners about how we can successfully bridge capital and solutions to accelerate the decarbonisation of cities and a just transition? Stina, can we start with you? I think the best advice I can give is that we really need to break down the silo thinking that we are used to. Whether we are public or private actors, we need to break down the silo thinking. And I also think if we all start to look at the needs that we have in the society and that we have in cities and see how can we really manage to fix those needs, the best way for the whole planet, actually, we will maybe look at it different than what we do today. In Norway, we are so proud because we have changed the whole way that we, or the whole vehicles, they are not going on diesel or on petrol anymore. They're in mainly electrical cars. So that is great. But at the same time, the line, the queues into every city in Norway is just the same. So People are standing there using their time and we are driving uh, along the road and we make dust and we do some other things that we really still haven't fixed the needs of getting from A to B as sustainable as possible. Yes, we have done something with the emission, but not with the total need of a person to go somewhere or from one place to another. And the last thing I would like to say is that we probably very many would like to contribute to future solutions, but where is it that you really have the largest impact? Where is where you, where you stand, whether you are a big company, a small company, an organization, or you're just an inhabitant in a city? Where can you actually have the largest impact? And that I think is important to remember. Everybody have an impact. And it's in the end of the day, it's very much up to us people, the decision we take, and how brave we are. So silly thinking and really dare to look at the needs that we have out there 
And in the end, look at where you have the impact. Thanks, Stina. And Carrie, what would be your advice? Then I would say I totally agree with Stina Lisa. It's about silo, breaking down the silos. But it's also really to rethink your approach because it's not going to work anymore. It's no business as usual anymore. We are so far off targets. I mean, the climate target, SDGs, whatever, you know, we are so off. We, it's not enough to think a 10% change. Really, really need to rethink the whole way we are doing business, how we bridge the, the silos and how we actually work together. So it sounds like a cliche, but we really, really need to do that. So my main advice would be for anyone is to rethink your really your complete approach to these issues. How do you bring these things? Maybe it has not worked before. I know it's a big trust element in here. The whole uh, uh, risk element into bridging capital solutions into needs. But I think now using those tools, as also Jorn said, how we can really use those tools to rethink and, and get the elephants in the room more clearly for and visible for everybody, but also bring the, the, the stakeholders together, that would be a key because there is not one actor who can solve this alone. We need to really, really do it together and drastically. So that would be my advice, not to be so fixed in the way you always have done things, but really look into how we could do things together. Of course, link into KPMG, United City, and all the networks that we are bringing together now to bridge these things, because that's exactly what we would like to do, to be an enabler and have an open door for any company, any city, anyone who would like to contribute into this uh, together. And finally, Jorn. No, difficult to close off. I think uh, completely agree with Kari. Um, you, you see, we agree with one another quite a lot. But when she says rethinking, for me, it's, there's two elements to that. There's for me thinking forward, like where are we today? Where do we want to go to? But also, and often we forget that, is think back. Where do we want to be in 2050? And what does that mean in terms of decisions, investments we should make today? And it's it's always good to to look forward, but I don't think today we have the nor the business cases nor the business models to achieve net zero in the years to come. So it's need rethinking on what needs to happen in terms of the imagination of what we need to deliver, the kind of investment we need, the kind of cooperation we need, the kind of education and training we need. All these things indeed require rethinking, but to also have them at scale that we feel. 2050 is really tomorrow. When you talk about investment frameworks, that's for what the next 20 years. When you talk about policy cycle, it's for periods of five, six years. But you need to know on these key decision moments where to invest, what kind of policy you want to put on the table. Yeah, it's just a handful of decision moments left. So you better be prepared to know, like, if I want to scale up at that speed, what is really where I'm going to put my money, where I will put my regulations, norms, and standards to make sure that we have the right business cases, the right business models, and that we can make that 2015 net zero reality uh, really happen. So that would be my piece of advice. Thanks again for speaking today. You've given our listeners a lot to think about. Join us next time for more insights from ESG leaders and innovators. You can also find our latest insights covering a range of ESG topics by visiting home.kpmg forward slash ESG. Thanks for listening. <laughs>